And Lord, we pray now at this time that you would speak in ways that we can hear you. And Lord, we ask that you would draw us ever closer to yourself, that we might reflect your love and glory to the world around us. We ask this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> so today is Trinity Sunday. And I'm going to let you in on a little trade secret. Every preacher hates preaching on Trinity Sunday. Yeah, because if you speak so long, you're going to slip into one heresy or into another heresy. So what do you say? What do you say? I, I was on a Facebook group this week with a bunch of clergy and somebody asked, what are you going to be uh, preaching on this Sunday? And one person responded, I'm not. I'm just going to show a bunch of YouTube videos of kittens playing. But today is a really important day um, in, in the church year. It's an important thing for us to focus on as followers of Jesus. It's not comfortable, but in life we have to live with a lot of things in tension from time to time. And we tend to focus more on the intimate relationship we have on Jesus and the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And this is very good and it's helpful and it's true. But there's another part that we sometimes neglect. And if we neglect this, then our God can become too small. And so focusing in on the Trinity, on God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, is important because it goes beyond us. Now, some people would argue that if you can't even explain the Trinity, then do you really believe? And I say... If you can fully understand and explain the Trinity, can it really be God? Because God is grander than our ability to comprehend. And we receive the mystery of the Holy Trinity with thankfulness. Now today, I want to put that other tension point and focus on that today from the, the prophet Isaiah. Because for him, in that vision that he had, God was grander and greater than he could possibly imagine. And because he had this encounter, some wonderful things happened. So I want us today to look at that, that passage from Isaiah and to see, um, just to see what, what, how we can anticipate such an encounter with the living God. So in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. As many of you know, I went to a, a Baptist university for my undergrad, and uh, while I was studying in Moncton, I attended St. Philip's Church, which at the time was Anglo-Catholic. Right? It had robes and chanting. It had incense and bells. I was there for four years. I never got used to those bells. And the time there, at first, I, I just hated. I couldn't believe what they were doing. They were putting all this extra stuff in the gospel. Like, why are they doing this? And then when I came to realize that, oh my goodness, they're worshiping through this, I came to really value it. And I started to invite my Baptist friends to it. One Sunday was great when my friend Danny came in and he said, come up for communion. And he came and he received the bread. And then he received the grape juice. Oh, wait, it wasn't grape juice. <laughs> Danny was, was really taken aback. He didn't appreciate the experience. My other friend came and he loved it. 
And I said, what do you like about this? And he said, when I go to church every week, we focus on my personal relationship with Jesus, my friendship with Jesus. So when I came to your church, we looked at God as holy, as exalted, as mysterious. And it inspired awe in me. And God is worth my awe and my reverence. So it's really, really important. In the year that King Uzziah died, it was about 740 years before Jesus was born. And it marked the end of a very prosperous period for the Jewish people. And they were entering into this time of great uncertainty. I don't know if you have recently experienced any times of great uncertainty. (laughs) Maybe this is a place where we can relate to the passage. (laughs) I don't know. Um, But isn't it interesting that the earthly king died... And Isaiah was given a vision of the heavenly king. Isn't that interesting? Now, here's here's another interesting thing, is the temple was supposed to be heaven on earth. And it was the focus for all worship. If it didn't happen in the temple, it didn't count. Because that's where God was. But here's this image of God at the temple And it won't even fit his hem. God is so much bigger than what's happening at the temple that it can't even contain him. What a powerful reminder. Because as human beings, we have a tendency to want to put things in understandable packages. right? And if we're not careful, we can try to put God in a box. What happens when we try to put God in the box is that the box breaks. The temple broke. His hem wouldn't even fit in there. Yes, he was in it, but he was so much greater then. We need to ask the question sometimes, is our God too small? We need to pray, Lord, show us more fully who you are. Because if we don't have that Oh my goodness, that awe, that wonder, that could be a symptom of God becoming too small. We've got to hold this intention with what's happening. Uh, we, need, we desire God to reign in and through us, personally, through our church of St. John's, uh, the Anglican church, through the church, totally, right? But God is greater than all of that, and he's working and active in the world in ways that we need to get involved with. So God is big. As John Lowndes likes to say, God is large and in charge. The next thing Isaiah looks at with this vision is the worship that is happening. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, probably to protect their eyes from the glory of God. With two wings they covered their feet to recognize their creatureliness. They are covered And with two wings, they were flying. And as they were flying, they called to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. A song that gets repeated throughout Scripture. The whole earth is full of his glory. And as they proclaim this, the sound of their voices um, shake the doorposts and the thresholds. And the temple is filled with smoke over the glory of God. So the worship of God in heaven 
has a profound impact on the worship at the temple. Now, you kind of say right away that, you know, we can't take our worship too seriously. Like, it's important to be intentional and all that stuff, but it's not all up to us, right? What's happening is that there is a worship on a different plane altogether where God is being worshipped as he should be. We worship God as we are able to. And we need God's help in order to worship. I mean, can you imagine flying around in here for praise? That'd be pretty sweet. Actually, if you want to have a good laugh, you could look at pastor flying fail because there are pastors who have tried this with the harness and the get-up and they're just sort of hanging there in the end trying to preach. You know, just if you have time, YouTube is our friend. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and just the Anglican Church alone, we have Anglo-Catholics that are so ornate and intentional with every action they perform. And then on the other extreme, we have charismatic Anglicans that are speaking in tongues and worshiping freely. It's all beautiful worship. It all requires intention, or intentionality. It deserves it. But it doesn't even scratch the surface as to what God is worthy of. I find that when our worship becomes too small, the focus is on the genre of music being used or the instruments being played. The focus is on us, not on offering a sacrifice of praise to the living God. It's not about what am I going to get out of church today. It's how can I exalt the name of Jesus today. How can I, in, in my relationship with the, my church, my fellow church people, my brothers and sisters, how we relate to one another, how we join together in worship, how will God be exalted by what we say and do? God is worthy of all our praise and our worship is not limited to Sunday morning. It is a, a way we live our lives. God is worthy of our time, our talent, our energies, our thought, our love, everything. It's beyond our ability to, to adequately express, but it's worth our trying to. Now, the, the effect here on, on Isaiah always surprises me because I think he'd be like, wow, this is amazing, and he'd start to celebrate and worship. But he doesn't. He says, woe to me. I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King the Lord Almighty. He's basically, I'm dead. I'm unworthy to be here. And then God says, you're right, go away. Oh, no. What does he, a, ser, a seraphim is directed to, to, with a coal of fire to purify his lips. Have you ever had somebody come up to you and say, I want to follow God more closely and I want to be dedicated to this, but I need to sort some stuff out first. Right? Or I want to go to church and I want to worship, but there's these things, if I go now, people will think I'm a hypocrite. To which you say, well, you'd be in good company. We're all in this together. <laughs> we can't sort ourselves out. That's the problem. We need Jesus to sort us out. And Isaiah here pronounces, I'm, I'm done. I'm ruined. And God provides a way for him to be present. He purifies him. And he, he purges his guilt. And, 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 and I want st to stress, I don't want us to be feeling guilty. But I do want us to feel convicted. Guilt says you're no good. Conviction says you are made for more than this. 
And if we haven't been convicted by the scriptures in a while or just in our prayer, ask why. And perhaps it's time to say, Jesus, would you please show us more fully your glory to be filled with awe again. God does not stand in agreement with Isaiah's keeping distant. Instead, the seraph purifies his lips and then this is done. I heard a voice from the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Worship doesn't end with a song. It ends with a life that seeks to see that Jesus is glorified, that the kingdom is extended. An encounter with the Almighty reminds us that he is far greater than we can comprehend. We could never adequately praise him enough. And yet, here's where the tension comes in, he draws us into intimacy. God isn't trapped by his transcendence, but his love pulls us in. So may he pull us in more and more. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much that you who created all things love each of us dearly. And Lord, we pray that you would fill us with a sense of wonder and awe at your presence, at your majesty, and at the intimacy you share with us. And Lord, as we come to you, we pray that you would purify us, that you would transform us more and more into the image of your Son so that you may be glorified through us and we may be your agents of healing and blessing in this world. For we ask this all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite you to uh, stand with me.